Hello! Welcome to Impersonal Opinion, the show where we don't take our opinions personally. I'm Chandler Klebs, and I'm here with George Ortega, Michael Walsh, Mitch J, and David Joseph. And we're going to be talking about consciousness, what consciousness is, what it isn't, what do people mean by consciousness. And one common confusion that people have like, for example, since we're the people who do the Free Will Science Religion a podcast, some people think that when we're telling people they don't have a free will, that we're saying they're not conscious, that we're saying that they're a rock or a billiard ball or something like that. Um, and that's not precisely what we're saying. We're, we're saying that, you know, consciousness is awareness. It's part of the process of anything that happens, but it's still, you, you still don't have a free will in that being able to choose your reality. Your reality that you are aware of is what makes you do what you do. So it's just important to point out that we're conscious and that we're aware and respond. For example, we all hear each other on Skype, so we're conscious in that sense of what the other people are saying. Does, does everybody agree on consciousness being awareness so far? If consciousness is awareness, the only word you need is awareness. Right. Um, and, and, I, and I tend to think so in a certain sense. See, because there's a lot of words that mean the same thing, basically, that are used synonymously. For example, I think of causality and determinism to be the same thing. Um, and, I, and I think of awareness and consciousness to be synonymous. Um, but it's very difficult because would you say that some people mean a, di a different thing by consciousness than they do awareness? So um, here's the thing. We have a bit of disagreement over this issue. Uh, for the listeners who are, are not aware, we've uh, had this discussion before. Um, my only concern is the following. Um, why are we trying to apply the word consciousness in um, realms beyond human beings. So as opposed to talking about human awareness, why are we so concerned about applying the word consciousness or awareness when, as Mike pointed out, it's a very unclear thing. There's a lot of, um, there isn't much agreement in the scientific community right now about what it is and who has it. So I think, so what I'm afraid of, what I'm skeptical of, is that some people want to add a certain kind of spirituality to the universe and so we are not being honest in our investigations because we're engaging in a little bit of wishful thinking where we want to make the universe sound a little more interesting than it already is. All right, let, Mitch, let me address that since I'm the person who's kind of like pushing this consciousness uh, being more than a human attribute perspective. Um, the first point is that like, if we're defining consciousness as awareness, but we're also acknowledging that our awareness isn't ours because we don't have a free will, then the question becomes, um, well, to what do we attribute this consciousness? Um, it's not our own. In other words, like a puppet, you know, may do a lot of things, but the puppet can't claim causality causality or authorship for anything that it does so that has to be attributed to whatever is making the puppet do what it does the, that's the first point the second point is like the 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 kind of um 
the paradigm of spirituality versus physicality is is a bit um, unclear or incorrect. In other words, like our universe. I mean, if if we apply physicality and spirituality to our universe, well, it's hard to to say. There's no, there's like 96% of our universe that we don't know what it is. We know it exerts an influence. You know, it's a, a gravitational force, whatever. You know, this dark matter, dark energy. So there's, you know, basically, you know, if we define spiritual in terms of what we haven't found, you know, in the physical realm, what we have no um, concrete evidence of, you know, as opposed to kind of like inferred evidence of, then it seems there's like that spirituality can be defined as that which exists, but it's unavailable to our senses, our, our um, technology. But, but to answer again your, your question most um, directly, Mitch, the reason this is important, because as we're delivering the message that no one has a free will, people are asking, fine, if what we do is not up to us, if our thoughts, if our consciousness, if our, if our awareness isn't up to us, to what is it of where? And, and well said, but um, uh, as we've said in our private discussions at an earlier time, this is a human problem, right? Humans, as humans, we're very curious. We're never really satisfied. And we need, sometimes we feel like to complete our existence, we need to, we need a certain degree of spirituality. We need an answer that satisfies us. When in actuality, sometimes there just isn't a good answer. So this is what we spoke about earlier. Human beings are prone to, we're obsessed with agency. We're always bringing agency to action. No one is responsible for anything, right? As, uh, as hard determinists or hard incompatibilists, as people who have investigated the issue of free will and have come to the conclusion that it's bogus, we're aware of that. We're aware of the deterministic nature of reality. So yeah, why are we so that. concerned about labeling things with this mysterious, unknown kind of word soup? Why can't we just simply say, um, no one is responsible. There is no responsibility. There is no intelligence. There is no consciousness beyond in the context of explaining that channel of information that complex level living things like human beings and possibly animals might experience. Hmm. Well, I mean, I fully agree with the concept that nobody's morally responsible or anything because of hard determinism, you know, so I'm, I agree with that. Um, and my motivation for discussing consciousness might be a little bit different than George's um, reasons for it. For example, I know George is a pantheist, and he's like, you know, the God and the universe are synonymous. So he's trying to find some kind of meaning um, like that. But for me, I tend to think that the concept of awareness or consciousness, which I use the, to be about the same thing, it applies to more than just the humans. I mean, it implies down to even insects and stuff like that. Um, so I think I think it's a useful discussion, and I think Mitch that maybe because um, the idea of George's pantheism turns you off 
um, to the idea to where you're not willing to explore consciousness. Would that be accurate? Uh, I have, I have nothing. I fully support exploring interesting ideas. That's it's cool to explore interesting ideas. Nothing against it. I'm just saying if we're, I think we're not being completely honest here. I think we have a strong desire. Some of us who are uh, involved in this podcast right now or human beings in general, we have a strong desire to attribute agency to action. We want to use, I think we are really stuck on using the word consciousness for some reason. Like we, I don't know why. I'm not sure you want to characterize my position as dishonest because I I sincerely believe it. You know, that's my understanding, but like, let's bring a, 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 a couple of other people into it. Um, sure. Mike, um, David, w- what are your thoughts on this? You want to go first, uh, Mike? Sure, 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 yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, uh, see, where do I put this? I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a pantheist. I'm a, I'm a naturalist. Uh, and I also kind of flirt with materialism. You know, material naturalism is more like a bigger umbrella in which you have materialism and physicalism underneath it. Um, so my view is that the universe is not conscious. Uh, nature is not conscious. Consciousness only emerges once you have sufficiently complex organisms with things like a central processing unit, which we would call a brain. So humans are conscious. Uh, animals are conscious to varying degrees such that the level of complexity of the brain and the prefrontal cortex um, indicates how conscious they are. So in other words, that would mean a chimpanzee is more conscious than an ant, if an ant is even conscious at all. Uh, And that's my view. I mean, uh, you know, my my view in in the philosophy of mind regarding consciousness is a view called um, uh, it's called uh, it's um, it's a view that the physical brain causes consciousness, right? Consciousness and thoughts and and and, and all that emerges from the brain in a one-way directional one-way direction of causality, meaning the brain, which is a physical thing made up of atoms, protons, neutrons, electrons, and quarks. It's all being guided by the four fundamental forces of, you know, electromagnetism, gravity, strong and weak nuclear force. That's all being guided by the laws of physics. And consciousness kind of emerges from it in the same way that steam emerges from boiling water. You take away the boiling water, there's no steam. So to me, consciousness is completely dependent on physical brains. Uh, And so that's my view. And so because the universe doesn't have anything like that, uh, I, I don't see that the universe as being uh, conscious in, in any way. And another point, which is something that I think George said a little bit earlier, is that you know there there are there are mystery, mysteries about the universe, like dark matter and dark energy. And it's true, the physical matter only makes up five percent of the universe. But uh, one of my favorite physicists, who's uh, Sean Carroll, he has been emphasizing the point for many years now that. The laws of physics that govern all the things in our everyday experience, all the things that are made up of atoms that we see, 
uh, are fully known, and there's no room in the laws of physics for dark matter or dark energy, no matter what it eventually turns out to be, to have any kind of influence on the atoms that make up our bodies and the earth and the sun and any kind, anything like that, to the degree where you could kind of squeeze in anything spiritual or supernatural or, you know, consciousness of the universe to affect that. Uh, no matter what dark matter and dark energy is, it is so weak that it does not interact with the atoms in our body and in our brain to the point where it could have any real effect on it. Otherwise, that's, it would have been discovered already. I would just like, if I could say one thing, I fully agree with every single thing Mike just said. That's all. <laughs> that's, that's what I was going to say as well. Yeah. As, as someone here that's probably not terribly well versed on this, this um, particular topic, I'm kind of more of an uh, observer, I guess, would be the thing that I'm doing right now. All right. So, so I'm, at the moment, I'm convinced by what Michael and Mitch are saying. Rather right, so, than... so, guys, here's my concern. Here's my concern. Historically, human beings have desired a specialness, a uniqueness within the universe. We attribute things to ourselves that we refuse to attribute to other animals, to other life forms, to inanimate matter. Um, like, for example, intelligence. I think, you know, a few hundred years ago, a hundred years ago even, many, many people would say, no, human beings are intelligent, the rest of the animal world isn't. Um, free, free will is another kind of like an attribute. I mean, it's completely wrong and all. But I think we have this tendency. And so that's why, you know, like, I think when we, we define consciousness as awareness, and let's say we, we um, compare human beings to single-celled organisms. Okay, like, we detect our environment, and let's say we detect food, so we gather it, and we consume it, we digest it. Well, a single-celled organism will do that. A single-celled organism will engulf a, um, a, um, a particle of food or whatever they you know, consume and all. They'll have to be aware of it first somehow and then, um, then consume and digest it. So then the question will become, why would our consciousness, however much more complex it may be, be fundamentally different from the consciousness of a single cell? Yeah, well, you know, this is very interesting because my my take on this is closer to George's than perhaps Michael or Mitch's because I I tend to at the very least what I can observe, I can observe the the way that ants respond to things and I can see that insects even which are very tiny little animals as far as I'm concerned um, they're, they have to be aware, they're conscious of things in their environment enough. Like just recently, like there was an ant going in one direction on a floor and I put my finger right in its path and then it stopped and walked around my finger, <laughs> you know? And I look at this and I think, well, you know, I think that it's responding in a way that's pretty much the same as a lot of humans would do. So because of the fact that um, I think of other animals, not just human beings, as being conscious and intelligent, I'm likely to say that the size of something and whether it has a fully developed human brain is irrelevant to its being able to have a certain level of awareness or intelligence. I can't say to what degree that awareness or intelligence might be, but 
I th I don't draw any line where there's humans in one box and there's everything else in another box. So that's a lot of the reasoning behind why I like this message of exploring consciousness to a greater detail. Well, okay, well, I understand. But, you know, as, as Mike pointed out, Mike gave a very specific context for when we use the word consciousness. And we firsthand, as the conscious observers of our experience, we know what we mean when we're saying consciousness. It's a very strong part of human identity. It's, it's what makes us feel special. So, I, so I, do, I don't mean to offend you or to offend George or anything. I'm just being, I don't, there's really no white, nice way to say it, you know. I see a lot of parallels between, um, as I said before, wanting, wanting the universe. So for, so, for example, maybe you guys could answer this question for me first. Do you want to apply this word consciousness, this idea of consciousness, to inanimate objects or to the universe? Like whether or not it's true, is it something that you want to be true? Mitch, my answer to that is that I want logic to prevail. I want what's, what makes sense to be what I believe. I mean, in most cases, in, to, to the extent that like, for example, there's a, an issue over which there is like no evidence in either way you know, there's no logic, no evidence, just compelling any conclusion, then yes, I may have a certain desire. But in this, no, no, I'm, I'm searching for truth. In other words, like, um, I would want to have a free will. I know we don't, you know. Um, so, so no, it, it's not a matter of want. Um, to address your other point, though, again, like, you know, you said you're, you're, you're constraining this concept to human beings, but that's my point. We as human beings tend to do that. We tend to say, well, we're special. So like, you know, when we use consciousness, it just applies to us. When logic dictates, you know, and, and empirical evidence that if consciousness is awareness, we can't deny that ants are conscious, that, that animals are conscious, that, that plants are conscious. I mean, that, that's what logic dictates. Yeah, right, but I, my argument, and perhaps... Uh, Mike's as well. What we're saying is when we use the word consciousness, it means something very particular. If you want to say that something similar or the same thing happens to other things, the word consciousness itself is very misleading. So is the word awareness. And that's pretty clear because we could simply use a different word. Take it, okay, for example, consider a robot. I could program a robot to interact with its environment and to respond to certain stimuli. Is a robot aware? Is it conscious? That's a good question. I, I would say in our context, within you know, the general meaning of, of consciousness being awareness, I would say yes. You know, like the robot is conscious of of a wall that it will, you know, go to the left or to right when it encounters. Okay, well, <laughs> well, if a robot is conscious, then we've sort of sapped out all meaning from the word. You know what I mean? No, because no, we've expanded just... it. We've expanded it to to from from human beings and other animals to to simply this this idea of awareness. And you're right; it, it it's the most global, most most general meaning of the word. Well, wait, uh, hold on. 
if uh, if machines are conscious, does that mean that my phone felt pain when I dropped it the other day? All right, Mike. Mike, you, all right. There's a difference between consciousness and sentience. Okay, we human beings are sentient in the, that we feel pleasure and pain, but I don't think a table or a phone does. Okay, well, what I what I mean, well, sentience is awareness. So to me, conscien consciousness is pretty much synonymous with sentience, but awareness in the sense that like okay a plant will grow towards the sunlight uh to me that is not an example of sentience that is simply just the uh genetic uh programming if you so to speak of the of the plant's dna to kind of uh move towards you know areas of light because that's what it needs to survive but i don't think in any way in any sense of the term of consciousness that the that the plant is sentiently saying oh the light is over there let me let me go that way i would agree with you mike i would i would, I would say that sentience is an advanced form of, of consciousness that is limited to human beings and other animals with a ner nervous system complex enough to feel pleasure and pain absolutely yeah, and I definitely think there's a difference between something being conscious or aware of certain things and feeling pain, you know. Um, so that's a thing that's, that's important. Um, but basically, you know, this idea that people have that human beings, for example, are conscious and they mean it specifically in a certain human context, whatever it is they mean, I have no clue. But basically, I want to remove that feeling of specialness because that specialness um, is so closely related to the idea that, well, humans are important and that they have free will and consciousness and they're made in God's image and they, they're important, so let's kill all the other animals and use them and abuse them. That's what I'm against, and that's why... I want to shoot down the human notion of consciousness. And guys, I just want to put this into a, a kind of like scientific historical context. This, this view that consciousness pervades the entirety of the universe, it actually has a name. It's called panpsychism, okay? Um, and certain, certain people adhere to it, uh, Spinoza, Plato, William James, most recently, um, I think you guys are familiar with Galen Strawson. He's a British philosopher that's one of the um, one of the strongest refuters of free will. You know, he he's really like he's on our side with this. So basically, you know, you know, you might want to look into the um, the history of this this concept that 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 consciousness. That the idea is like for us, for a human being to be conscious. It must uh, consciousness must be um, a property of the universe, and I've heard this kind of like discussed relative to the hard problem of consciousness. That like you know how can consciousness emerge from a physical you know let's say environment if consciousness seems to be you know apart from what we can consider physical. But again, the, the term is panpsychism. It's like Jamie just joined the call finally. <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't realize um, you were calling me. Uh, oh, yeah, that was, that was actually a, a while back. Um, we're in the middle of an impersonal opinion podcast, but you're welcome to join us for the remainder of it. We're talking about consciousness. And, um, yeah, I, I wanted to say, like, 
like I think that like I'm not so sure how far I can agree with panpsychism, psychism, pantheism. However, I, I here's how I'm looking at it right now. This is just my impersonal opinion, guys. You know, um, <laughs> is that there seem to to me to be two possible explanations. The commonly accepted explanation people give is that the universe is unconscious and there's a cause and effect and all these processes happening and then somehow consciousness emerges um, from unconscious processes. The other kind of um, explanation which George is giving us is that the universe already is conscious either as a whole or in part and this means that consciousness is not something that emerges from not consciousness but that consciousness just begets consciousness that's more how i am just kind of looking at it that i think it's a it's worth considering yeah well that's an interesting yeah that's a, that's a good distinction from the the, the panpsychist view that george has and uh the other views that uh, that i hold the name the main the name of the uh, view that I hold that escaped me earlier was, is called epiphenomenalism. So if you look that up, that's the view of the of the mind and of consciousness that, that I hold. And it's the view that mental phenomena is causally ineffectual, where uh, and mental states are always reduced down to physical states, and the physical states are the things that cause the mental states. So mental states just emerge, but they have no causal impact at all on the physical uh, universe. Yeah, that, that's, that's interesting. I'm not sure I understand that. I mean, because I'm a materialist in the sense that I think everything is physical. And I know that, for example, people in their everyday language have a tendency to say physical as opposed to mental or psychological. Like they think of um, the, the mind and matter distinction. A lot of people have the distinction between mind and matter and I think, well, yeah, my mind is made of matter. So I guess I'm still having a hard time. Like, you, I mean, you could be right, right about that. Um, but I mean, I think that we have a certain experience um, uh, and awareness and mental states. But at the bottom, it is physical. Mike, let me not. Let me um, tell me if this is right. Um, let's say we apply. Um, this mental state that we call love to epiphenomenalism. What you're saying is that like love may have a kind of a neural signature. Like when somebody's feeling love, there are certain ho hormones, certain neurochemistry going on. But that's that's what quote unquote love is. This this kind of like this linguistic concept. This 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 feeling apart from this physicality. It simply reflects the physicality. It has no existence apart from the physicality. That's correct. Under epiphenomenalism, our, sen our subjective sensation of love would ultimately be a complex arrangement of the atoms and the genes and the electrochemical processes going on in our brains and our hormones and our serotonin and all those kinds of things. Well, all right, I would agree with that completely. I, I'm not sure I see how um, panpsychism and epiphenomenalism would be mutually exclusive. Well, epiphenomenalism would, well, panpsychism would, would not be compatible with epiphenomenalism because panpsychism is the view that 
all of the all or, or most or, or what, a certain percentage of the universe is conscious, but it's not due to complexly evolved brains or, you know, uh, there's another view in it called uh, the computational theory of mind, which says that uh, consciousness is due to complex computation of information. And under this view, a supercomputer that is processing enough information, once it gets to a certain level, it could produce what we would consider consciousness or some kind of sentience. And if you know our technology ever gets to the point where we truly have artificial intelligence, that would essentially be the case. It would be like a silicone brain as opposed to a carbon brain like what we have. So, but, but the thing is, the thing that I disagree with on panpsychism is that the universe itself has some kind of consciousness, is that there's some hint of agency there or of intentionality, and it's not just the mindless laws of physics going according to quantum mechanics and general relativity, that, it's, there, that there's something personal, in a sense, about the universe itself, uh, as if the universe is one gigantic brain. That's, that's the view that I disagree with. Okay, Mike, we're at the 30-minute mark. How about if we like do a part two of this Impersonal Opinions podcast where we explore this? Um, I'll present an argument for, let's say, universal consciousness vis-a-vis -vis universal intelligence. So, so uh, do you guys want to do a second part of this and continue exploration? So, so we should end this one and this or another one? Yeah. Okay. You've been listening to Impersonal Opinion with George Ortega, Miss J, David Joseph, Michael Walsh, and Jamie Soden. And we've been talking about what people are meaning by consciousness and awareness and precisely what the difference is between George's view and the views of some of the rest of us. But we're going to continue this in, a, in another episode. So thanks for listening to this one and goodbye.